listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. You think about this. God went to incredible lengths for these wise men to discover this star to find Jesus. These wise men no doubt would have been into some very bizarre, some possibly very dark kind of mysticism, um, but they had seeking hearts. They had hearts that were seeking, and God breaks through the hearts that are seeking, and He will lead the seeking heart to Christ. The heart that is truly seeking will find Christ. God gave them a star that would lead them to the Savior, and you know what? I believe that God gives stars today. That God reveals Himself to us, and, and He arranges stars for you and for me. Now, I'm not talking necessarily out in the heavens, and so you should all buy telescopes and, 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 and examine the starry night and to find out what star is there for you. I'm not, that's not what I'm talking about. But I believe God arranges stars, supernatural events, circumstances for the heart that is truly seeking God. It might be a phone call at the right time, a text message, an email. It might be um, so, some kind of life event that all of a sudden is our wake-up call to seek out Jesus, to, to look for purpose and meaning or trying to find understanding through a trial or through a storm. Sometimes that star can be when a child is born and all of a sudden you're holding this child in your arms and you realize, I'm responsible not just for the physical well-being of this child, but the spiritual and the eternal. And so it's a wake-up call. It is a star that leads us to Christ. And sometimes it can be a tragedy and a trial that leads us to seek after God like we've never sought after Him before. You see, God's heart is that all people would find Him. That all people would have a real relationship with Him through His Son Jesus. That's His desire. And so He will go to the greatest lengths to, to lead you to Jesus. Even arranging a star of various sorts. Uh, years, a number of years ago, there was a lady that we got to know quite well who was one day watching the morning news. And, and as she was watching the news, she decided to do her, her nails. And she started to, to paint them. And as, as she was in the midst of the job of painting her nails on her fingers and her toes, the news ended and a Christian broadcast began. And she was hostile. She was angry towards religion because of some things that she had experienced and, and things that were happening in her life and she wanted nothing to do with it, but she had a choice to make. Either she would get up and she would turn the channel or get the TV off and ruin her nails or she would sit there and let her nails uh, get, get finished doing what she needed to do with her nails and by the time that TV program ended, she was on her knees in repentance and she came to Jesus. And how God arranged for her nails at that time to need to be painted and for that TV show to, to be just what she needed to bring her to God. Those are some of the unique ways that God can arrange the stars and how He speaks and how He leads us today. Sometimes, as I said, it's through hardships and trials that He leads, his, leads us to, to Christ. And we see that here with these wise men. We see how... Uh, how how God led them through this star. And in Jeremiah chapter 29, there's, there's a great verse in verse 13 of Jeremiah 29. It says, You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me 
with all your heart. Notice it doesn't say half your heart. Just It doesn't say seek you when you feel like it, but it is a passionate pursuit of Jesus. And when you seek Jesus with all your heart, He promises you will find Me. You will find peace. You will find power. You will find the presence of God in your life. In verse 1 there it says, as we've already looked at, at part of it, it says, wise men came from the east. And so here they are seeking the star and, and we know they're from the east. We don't know exactly where they're from. Speculation, maybe Babylon, Persia, Arabia, Asia, we're not sure exactly. But one thing we know is they did not come from across the street. It was a journey, quite possibly a number of months, maybe months and months that it took them, even up to a year or so that it may have taken them to get there. Tonight I do have a little bad news for you though in the midst of this Christmas story. And, and I'm just sorry if it's going to burst your bubble a bit here tonight and you might leave disappointed, but I do have to remind you of something. Sadly, the nativity scenes that we oftentimes put up in our houses aren't quite biblically correct. If you have a nativity scene that looks like this with the shepherds as well as the wise men there, um, they weren't there that night. They didn't show up. We, we like to place them there, but biblically we see that they were not there. It was the shepherds who came, and they worshipped, and they were there. And maybe you, you have uh, one that looks like this, and you think, well, this one looks a little bit better. And uh, again, I have to tell you, sorry, there was no little drummer boy. The nice song, nice song, cute and all, but there's no drummer boy in the nativity um, story. You know, And so... Kids, you do have my permission tonight. If you have a nativity scene that is biblically incorrect, you can take, um, as long as it's not glass and breakable, you can take and move the wise men maybe over to the other side of the living room or in another part of, of the dining room, wherever it might be. You spread them out a little bit because they did come, but it did take them a little while to get there. Um, and, and seeing I'm on a bit of a roll here, uh, there was probably not three wise men. There was probably more than that. Um, and, and just another thing, that song, We Three Kings, sorry, they weren't kings. Uh, they were wise men, but again, great song. We love to sing it, you know, but there were probably more than three. There could have been 10 to 12, but we don't go with 10 to 12 because it's kind of hard to arrange. 10 to 12 wise men around the nativity sets that we have. And as well, we, we kind of settle on the three wise men because of the three gifts they brought. So, so sorry if I just ruined Christmas for you. Um, forgive me, you'll get over it. And... Uh, and, and uh, we'll just press on through that. But when we, we, if we were to look at the end of the story here with the wise men, we see that when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And going into the house, they, they, they saw the child with Mary, her mother, and they fell down and worshipped. They Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. You see, the wise men here would stop at nothing to find the truth about God's Word, about what God's Word had to say about Jesus. And they pressed on. And a seeking heart will find the greatest treasure of all. A seeking heart will find Jesus. And I trust that perhaps here today, I trust that it would be the desire in all of us that we would have a seeking heart to get to Jesus. Not just once, but throughout our lives. A daily desire to get to know Him and to discover him in our lives in a new way, in a fresh way. The second response that we can see here in this story is that of Herod. Now, he represents a hostile heart that ends in despair. Now, King Herod, 
This was Herod the Great. He was a great builder, a great administrator. He worked very hard to keep the Jews happy, and including he even rebuilt the temple and did an amazing job of that. However, he was a guy who was insanely paranoid of any threat to him as a king. And he was so concerned by what uh, but by any sort of rumor or any sort of possibility that someone would try to take him out. He was incredibly jealous. And so he would imprison, and then he would also eliminate any threat, including family members, which included three of his sons. One of his ten wives was taken care of, as well as one of his mother-in-laws, because he was concerned that they were uh, causing a threat to his kingdom. And so when he hears about this wise, about the wise men that have come to Jerusalem and they're seeking the king, he is troubled. He is ticked off. And it says that he is troubled in, in, in the passage here and it says all Jerusalem with him. You know that, that statement, if mama's happy, nobody's happy? Is that true? If mama's, happy, if mama's not happy, no one is happy? Uh, well, in this case, if Herod isn't happy, Jerusalem is not happy. If he's paranoid, everyone is sitting on eggshells because of what might happen. And so he's fit to be tied when he hears about this Jesus. And he says, he's so concerned, and so he comes up with a way to try to find out more information. So we see a hostile heart, and we see the end of his life is one of despair. Now, no doubt, this kind of hostile Herod wouldn't describe very many of us in this world, in this room here tonight. But a hostile heart is represented very much in our world, and it even can be represented here in our own hearts tonight. We see it in, in a very extravagant and a very extreme way with ISIS and terrorism and, and, and into more subtle ways where we are seeing a, a, a quieter but also a a hostility that we are seeing in society about moving away from Jesus in our society, taking Christ out of Christmas, just some of these little areas, a little more subtle, but there's a hostility there. It's like, get rid of him, want nothing to do with him. It's a threat. He's a threat. Religion, this faith stuff, don't want anything to do, do with this sort of thing. And so we can see this in an extreme way in our world, but we can also see it in some subtle ways in our own hearts. However, we also see that even in our own hearts, we can at times be hostile. Jesus and his word can be a threat or a pain to the lifestyle that we want to live. All he is going to do is mess up my life and so we want nothing to do with him. He's going to ruin my fun. But a hostile heart like Herod, Herod's heart will end in despair. If you read secular history about about Herod and even extra-biblical history, you see that he had a very sad, sad ending to his life. And so will any heart that remains hostile towards Jesus. The last response that we see here in this passage is that of the chief priests and the scribes. And this is a religious heart that is indifferent. It says here, when Herod heard of the wise men inquiring about the king, King of the Jews, in verse 4 it says, He assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem, in Judea. 
Herod calls the religious leaders together and they start, well, yes, yes, yes. They start quoting scriptures and, and they say, yes, yes, yes. You know, in Micah, written centuries, seven centuries before this prophecy was written and they say, yes, this, this is correct that, that there would be a, a Messiah that would be born in Bethlehem and they go on and quote a little bit more there in the passage and yet they're indifferent. They're unmoved by what's going on. These guys should have been are you serious? There's a star, like it says in the book of Numbers, and is this possible? And, and they should have been the ones that were hooking up the, the donkeys or the camels, whatever it is. The wise men traveled hundreds of miles, and they wouldn't travel five miles to go from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Why? They had a good life. They should have been so excited about this, and yet they were indifferent they had carved out a good life for themselves. They had a good income stream. They had position. They had influence. And the last thing they needed was a Messiah to come and mess it all up. Mess up their nice little lives. Like then and even today, some of the hardest people to reach are religious people. People who've been raised in the church, who are familiar with Scriptures. They know the songs. They can quote, quote, scriptures and maybe even know some some biblical doctrine they know the right things to say they can sit in church sunday after sunday or maybe they've decided they no longer need church that that's not needed for them but in their hearts they have this in their heads they have a knowledge but in their hearts they have no hunger for god no pursuit no excitement you know don't want to get carried away don't want to get too religious don't want to surrender too much of my life i have the house i have the car i have the position the position with work and, 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 and things are, are going quite well and I have a few more pursuits I want to chase after. And in them there's no spiritual zeal, no passion, just going through the motions of life and just living for that next pursuit. And the thing that we see here, either these folks have never truly surrendered their lives to Christ or they have, but they've drifted away. They've gotten their eyes on other things. And this can be the story of many people this can be the story of my own heart. It can be the story of any heart here. That we know, we have knowledge, we like Jesus, we, we prayed a prayer, we were baptized, we've kind of gone through certain spiritual motions, but, but, but you know what, I'm not going to press in too much here. I'm not going to get too serious. I'm not going to you know, go too hard after, after Him. After all, I kind of got this figured out. And the end of this is indifference and just going through the motions. I wonder tonight, where is your heart at? What is your reaction to the news of Jesus? Is it a response of indifference like the religious leaders? No passion, no zeal, just kind of, I have my life and, and, and I have Jesus as my co-pilot sort of thing. Hate that statement that, that sometimes you will see, no, Jesus is to be the pilot. Jesus is in control. Is it a response of hostility? I don't want Jesus messing up my life. I'm ticked off with Jesus. I am upset with, with Him and, and, and any kind of threat that, that this could be in my own life or is it a response of the wise men? And what do we see in verse 11? And it says, And going into the house, they saw the child and Mary his mother and they fell down and worshipped Him. Then opening their treasure, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They bowed down in worship. That was their response 
after seeking after Jesus. They were humbled. They were blown away by this. And here's a few things, though, about the worship that we see of the wise men. Worship requires humility. Grown men bending the knee to a young child. But genuine worship is always preceded by humility. Bending the knee. We have to humble ourselves in order to praise anyone. That's just a fact of life. And how much more we need to bend the knee to the King of kings and Lord of lords. If we don't, it's fake. It's just lip service. Another thing about worship is that worship is costly. They went to great lengths. They gave of time, and the gifts they gave were significant. They, gave, they, they crossed rivers. They went through storms over the wilderness, facing opposition and even a paranoid king. And yet they continued on. It was costly. What do your gifts to Jesus say about your heart? Your time, your resources, the way that you give to Him. What's it saying about your heart here today? And finally, worship is sometimes risky. The journey to Bethlehem carried many risks for the wise men. Dealing with the paranoid king was probably the, the, the exclamation at the end of it. And even at the end of the story, we see they went home another route because Herod was after them. The worship of Jesus, declaring Jesus, living for Jesus, worshiping Jesus, it will at times be risky. Risk of reputation, what others will say, what others will think. And yet, Jesus is worth it. And there's only one response that will lead to a life of joy, to a life of fulfillment, and that is one of the wise men. The response of worship. And today, it is our prayer here at Harvest. It is my prayer for all of us that we would be worshipers who seek after Him. That 2017 will be a year of pursuing Jesus like we've never pursued Him before in our lives personally and as a church. But worship will also require faith. You think about it. These wise men bent the knee and Jesus had done nothing for them yet. And yet they, they worshipped and they were the ones filled with joy. Jesus now has done everything for us, and yet we bow in worship. It's costly, it's risky, and it's a step of faith. Believing Jesus will provide. Believing that Jesus will fill that void within our hearts. And today it is my prayer that this service, that this time together in the Word of God would perhaps be God's appointed star in your own life to draw you to Him for the first time or back to Him if you've been drifting, if you've been wandering away from Him. Maybe it's been a long time that you've been wandering and drifting and it's time to declare, I desire to be like the wise men, seeking after the heart of God. You have those cards and, and I'd encourage you just to take a look at them as it says, uh, just asks you, what is your heart response to Jesus? I, I'd encourage you just as we, as we are led in worship that, that you would just stay seated and just, just ponder that. You may want to fill that out and, 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 and share that with us at the end. There's the offering baskets will be going around in a little while and we'll be receiving an offering for those who came. Our regular folks came prepared to give as we don't have a service tomorrow. But you may want to pop that in the offering when it comes by in a few moments. What is your heart response to Jesus tonight? If it's, if it's like Herod and it's hostile, your life will end in despair. Your relationships will end in despair. If it's a heart like 
that of the chief priests. I've got enough religion just to kind of get me through. I've carved out of indifference. The indifference and the emptiness will continue on and you're going to miss the greatest gift this world has ever seen, just like the chief priests and scribes did. But if it's one of the wise men, you seek him and you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. You will find him in every part of your life for him to be enough, more than enough. We're going to, to just sit as, and, and worship together and you may want to fill those cards out and just spend some time just examining your own heart.